Okay, friends, how's it going? I'm back. Good to see you. For those of you who weren't in here, uh, my name's Kyle. I'm the worship team leader here. And uh, I, I set up the time earlier. We've been chatting for five minutes um, and we got to kind of catch up. But did anybody have some interesting conversations or interesting answers as you uh, talked with people? It's awesome. Good to get to know people around here. Uh, well, hey, we're going to start off our time tonight with a couple announcements. Uh, first of all, welcome. If you're new, uh, follow this QR tag, or you can text Mo New to that number on the screen, and it will get you connected with our congregation. We'd love to get to know you uh, if this is your first time. Um, yeah, let's keep looking here what we've got. Um, next, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, a women's summer study coming up. So if you're a woman in the room and you're looking uh, for something to kind of jump into during this next season of the summer, this will be a great opportunity. Essentially, I believe the resource is just kind of walking through the story of Scripture. Uh, one book, one story uh, from 6.30 to 8 o'clock on uh, Thursdays. So follow this QR link if you're interested in that. Um, and then next, if you, are, if you have a kiddo who loves to sing, um, let us know because next week as we get prepared for um, a big family picnic coming up, we're going to have a kids choir on stage next week and it's not too late to jump in. Uh, the songs are easy, they're fun. Um, and speaking of that, uh, actually, sorry, if you have a kiddo, follow this link and we'll get you plugged in. That'll go to Laura Self, our uh, community, uh, our student worship leader. Um, and finally, we have a family uh, service next week. So family picnic service, we're gonna have one service in here at uh, five o'clock uh, and we will all worship together with the kiddos and then we will walk over to um, the area over across the street and we'll have a taco bar available and we'll hang out and get to know each other. It's gonna be a great time. Uh, that being said, church, let's stand and let's turn our attention to King Jesus. So if you would, just acknowledge that he's here, that he's been in this room the whole time and we'll sing together. Well, actually, let's, let's go ahead and pray this together. Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts, to use them for your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, would you multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine? We give freely and not under compulsion for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give can match your great gift to us, your son and your spirit, amen. Now let's worship King Jesus together. Roaring with 
attention to Christ for he's good and he loves us and we're here to proclaim our praise to him so let's continue in that Taught the 
God, we love you. Lord, our eyes are on you. We know that you are the king who is rose. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you guys remain standing as we read the word of God tonight? Hey, Mosaic family, my name is Luke Pasco. This is my wife, Heather. Um, I've had the privilege and this huge blessing to get to be here at Fellowship my whole life uh, for 31 years. Um, I've been at Mosaic for probably the last 18 of those years and have been tremendously best, uh, blessed, and I love this family so much. I get to put on the worship team and have been doing that for quite a while. So, yeah, and this is Heather. I've been attending Mosaic for the past five years since we got married, and I get to serve in the toddler ministry, so love getting to do that. So we're going to be reading Acts 9, 1 through 22. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Verse 12 continues on. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem 
among those who are called in his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, Fellowship Mosaic. Good to see you all. I'm Rodney Holmstrom. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship. I'm in my 18th ministry year, believe it or not, leading the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. I like to think of that as the, the emergency room of the church and honored to be here with you. I've been a part of this congregation for over 20 years, and I'm so grateful to be here with you tonight. Hey, tonight I'm excited because we're wrapping up a series, the Risen series, I hope it's been blessing you, where we have these six encounters or these six experiences or visible eyewitness accounts of Jesus appearing through the resurrection and the ascension, appearing and showing us that he is very much alive. And in this space, we see that, that there's all this incredible truth that he is empowering, he's indwelling, he is, he is guiding, instructing, and coaching them then, and I hope that it's encouragement for you that that means he is doing the same for us, because he's very much alive for you and I in this space right here at Fellowship Mosaic on a Saturday night. And we're going to be jumping into uh, uh, the last of this series, An Appearance of Saul, and known as Paul later in scriptures, where we see this incredible story, the conversion, Saul's conversion. And in this story, if you want to flip over there, we'll be there in just a second, Acts chapter 9. We just heard the, the great reading of the Word of God. But here's what I want to kind of challenge you to think about in this space. And we'll be going through this as we walk through this, that the risen Christ brings light to our darkness. And this story is one of those compelling evidences of that truth. But let me give you a little bit of context of what's been happening in the book of Acts. This is Luke's account telling us about the church. And there's a lot of life change happening. Jesus has instructed and given guidance on what to do. Lives are being changed. People are being baptized. There's all kinds of great things happening. But the, the heavy part is... There is immense persecution. In fact, uh, one of the disciples, Stephen, experiences such incredible persecution that he's actually stoned to death. I hope I never have to encounter that kind of persecution. And then we see Philip. We see all kinds of good things happening. Lives are being changed. And this movement is now heading toward Damascus. And this persecution is done by the Pharisees and Saul who we're going to talk about tonight, is a part of this circle, creating a lot of havoc on those who are following the way, Jesus Christ. And it's painful. But Saul, who is Saul? Saul was a Pharisee. He, he was very well-educated. Uh, he was very passionate, should we say, about uh, the, the, this, uh, the, the Torah and these religious traditions. So much so that he really believed in his heart of hearts that he was doing good. Even though he was throwing people in prison and murdering people, he thought he was doing the right thing. And he's headed in a way and realizes in this 
part of the passage. He's headed in the wrong direction. I don't know if you can relate to that. Have you ever been headed in the wrong direction and realized, oh my gosh, I'm going the wrong way? I remember being in Dallas. I was speaking in Dallas one time, and I typed in the GPS to get to my location. And if you've ever been in Dallas, you know that the the traffic is maddening. (laughs) And it feels like it's always under construction, doesn't it to you? So I'm driving, the GPS is trying to guide me the right direction, and it takes me to this road that the GPS does not know has concrete blocks blocking it because of the construction. And every time I'd get to this exit, I'm trying to stay alive through the traffic, I would get to this road, can't take that exit, and I would go on, and you know what it says over the GPS, recalculating, (laughs) maddening. Take me through the neighborhood, it would inevitably take me right back to the same barrier. I eventually made it to my destination. But what's so interesting when we think about this story in Acts 9, the the conversion of Saul, I think this is a man who was headed down a path and he believed in his heart of hearts he was going the right way. But the, the intel in his GPS was inaccurate and he would inevitably lead to a place that would be a blockade. And Jesus is going to appear in a vision and give him some startling news to interrupt his plan. And so with that, knowing that the risen Christ brings light to our darkness, let's jump into the text. Acts chapter nine. If you have your Bible, you can follow along or follow on the screen. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, Jesus, his mission, his call, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Now, if I could paint a picture physically, this is kind of how I think Saul would look. He would kind of be a little bit puffed out in the chest thinking, I'm doing a good thing here and I'm on a mission here and I'm going to carry this out and he is going with vigor and he is on his way. Almost a puffed out chest, almost feels a little bit prideful to me. I'm going to do this, I know it's right, but he's about to move into a little bit of becoming educated and humbled. You could say recalculating his destination. Let's pick up in the story. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now don't miss this. We know that Saul is persecuting the disciples. He's persecuting the people that are following the way. Jesus is making it very clear here. Don't miss the language. He's saying, You are actually persecuting me. And that that actually brings me a little bit of comfort to know that Jesus is saying, if you persecute my kids, you're persecuting me. Can you imagine what that would feel like for Saul in that moment? It's like, wait, what? what? What just happened? I thought I was on the right path here. You're messing with me when you mess with my kids. Listen how Saul responds. He says, who are you, Lord? Saul asks. I am Jesus. Now, Jesus is confirming what he just said. Whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. Can you just feel the authority of a just, loving, almighty Jesus? Get up. You're persecuting me. Now, you go there. I'll give you instructions on what to do next. You can kind of feel the tension now. 
I love to read different versions of the scripture, and I encourage you to do that in your own study to help. It helps me understand a little bit better what I'm reading to, to get a little bit more clarity. If you go to the New King James Version of this uh, 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6, it actually says that, that Saul was astonished and trembling. I can kind of relate to that, can't you? I'd be astonished and trembling. I thought I was doing the right thing, and now I just came face to face with the almighty Jesus Christ who's been resurrected and ascended. I'm going, whoa, this is scary. Saul does not, he's not real excited about what's happening here. He's astonished and trembling, and rightly so. Saul is having a moment of clarity as he has an intervention with a righteous, with a just and compassionate, loving father, although it probably doesn't feel real loving right now. Verse seven, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Whew. Jesus had to knock Saul flat on his face. I mean, literally knocked him at the knees. And here's what goes through my mind. I wonder what is going through this man's mind, thinking he was doing right, and he's on this path, and now he's flat on his face, and he's feeling some pain now. I think to get a glimpse of what Saul might have been thinking in his brain is to go to his future writings after he becomes a Christian and he's talking about his pre-Christian walk. And I think this kind of gives us a little bit of picture of what he's feeling in this moment. Philippians 3, 4 through 6 says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. In other words, Saul's saying, I'm for the people of Israel. I was born in the right tribe. I came from the right schooling. I was under the right teachers. I was faultless. I'm a somebody. And can you imagine a man that feels like he's a somebody? I've got all these things going for me, and now I'm in the middle of this road feeling pain. Very humbling, to say the least. But Jesus has blinded him in this space. And I was thinking about that, that the illustrations that Jesus gave about blindness when he was actually physically walking the earth before his crucifixion, and it made me think of this in John chapter 9, verse 39 through 41. He's actually the Pharisees, whom Saul is a part of, he's giving a, a very a big teaching lesson around this. Jesus says in verse 39, For judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. You can just hear a little bit of the arrogance around him. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. 
The fact you thought you had a path, you had a vision under your own power, apart from his way, the truth, and the life, and you're going this way, you're actually guilty and you're blind. Blindness is a big deal in the gospel message. And Jesus is giving Saul a big life lesson here, a very painful life lesson. Saul had to be made physically blind so that he could understand that he was spiritually blind. Big lesson for him. He sits in his blindness, silence with no food, no water for three days. He had to learn to die to his old so that he could learn to walk in the new. Humbling. One commentator talks about this. He says that that when he was struck blind, he opened his eyes, but their power had been taken away. Now, don't miss this. I think it's fascinating when you think about Saul is on this road. He feels like he's got all the things going for him, the right tribe, the right teaching, all that stuff. You could almost see the puffed up chest, thinks he's powerful, all that. I'm somebody. And now he realizes that he truly is nobody apart from Christ. He's been humbled in this space, powerless when he thought he was powerful. It's fascinating to think about how Saul wanted to enter Damascus with his triumphant entry. Here I come. And here he is now having to blind, grab the hands of his buddies that are next to him as a little child, humbled, broken. Whew. Pain has a way of getting our attention, doesn't it? This is a good teacher in this moment. Saul's experiencing pain face down, and he's hearing the face. He's, he's face down hearing the voice of the Almighty resurrected and ascended Jesus Christ. Time out real quick. Have you ever been there? I think about my, my road to Damascus. I was that guy, I was walking this road and I was so full of sin, I was neck deep in sin and I was walking a way that I thought was right and in the end it only led to death and I had a rude awakening, pain came into my life to get my attention. Or maybe you've fallen into that space that I have time to time where I get a little bit prideful and I just fill my head with a lot of knowledge and I forget about the relationship side. Jesus is left in the ditch and I stay forward just trying to perform for him so that he might love me because I'm so good. That's an upside down version of the gospel. I don't earn anything. His grace costs nothing. It's free for me if I just believe and receive. Or maybe, maybe you just have the pride that I've had in my life, just full of yourself Whatever that is, whatever has you on that road, maybe tonight, maybe the Holy Spirit would be convicting you to say, this way is wrong, it's leading to a dead end. I need to recalculate. So now we're seeing Saul is on his face. He thought he was going the right way. He's been humbled and educated. And now we're seeing a new scene unfold here. We're seeing a new character enter the story, a guy named Ananias. We don't know much about this guy. This is actually the only time we'll hear about this guy in Scripture, by the way. What's fascinating is we know he's a disciple. We know he was faithful. We know he was trusted or Jesus wouldn't have brought him into the story. But store this in the back of your mind because Saul, to Saul, this guy is a nobody. 
And Jesus is bringing this nobody into a guy that thought he was a somebody to make an impact in his life. Now we see it moving into the healing and filling. He becomes healed and filled. Verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answers. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. He's already preparing Saul for what's about to happen, this interaction with this nobody to come into his brokenness. Listen how Ananias responds. I think I can relate a lot to Ananias. He says in verse 13, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now, time out. This is a little bit humorous for me, but I have kind of a weird mind. Ananias just came face to face with the resurrected and ascended Jesus Christ. And he's arguing with him. Does that not just baffle your mind? <laughs> it actually, on another part, actually brings me a little bit of comfort to know that God is big enough for us to have some wrestling conversations with him. God, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. What Ananias is saying makes sense to our human flesh because this guy was a murderer. He was throwing people in prison. Of course you're going to quit. Are you sure? Here's where, I, here's where I get convicted is, is we're reading God's word. We always want to just not look at it as a story, but ask the question, how will this change me today? And here's where it's convicting my heart. Would I, do I ever get comfortable? What I love about mosaic is we say all are broken. If you've never heard that, we say that around here. All are broken. That means that all of us at one point either came in as believers or unbelievers, non-believers, into this space broken. And hopefully, by the grace of God, we are all broken believers now. We have been redeemed, and he is redeeming. We have been renewed, and he is renewing. We are working out our salvation as broken people. All are broken. All matter because of Jesus Christ. And one gets the glory for everything that happens starting in our hearts and everything that happens in this space. Here's the convicting part for me. Lord, may I never get comfortable with this is my holy huddle of broken believers. And I start blocking the doors and say, don't let any other people that, that don't think like me. Non-believers don't think like believers. And they're going to walk through those doors. And they're going to have questions. May I never be comfortable with, with just this circle and, and not let those people that may talk different than, than me, look differently than me, smell differently, whatever it is, that I would be willing to let them in and let them be a part of this amazing story. I've said this to some friends recently, that a church that doesn't have broken people is a broken church. All are broken Lord, help me to have a heart to know that even those people that feel too far gone, you would give me a heart to share your good news because I didn't deserve it either. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give up on you? I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Lord, give me a heart that would not give up on those people that feel like I'll never, ever be able to reach them.
So Ananias has this wrestling match with Jesus. But in verse 15, he says to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name and suffer he would if you look at Paul's ministry. But it's so important that we rest on this space. Jesus is saying, this is my chosen instrument. It doesn't make sense. Just trust me. And those people that God might call us to that feel too far gone may become tomorrow's disciple. They might, may become tomorrow's disciple maker or tomorrow's elder or tomorrow's mom and dad in a family that's growing and pointing their family toward Jesus Christ or an influencer in the business world that reflects the image of God. That person that Jesus calls us to maybe become that person. And that's exactly what he's saying. This is my chosen instrument. It doesn't make sense, but God is bigger than we can understand. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What good news he's hearing right now. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Wow, miracle. Now, don't miss this. This, this really just, this, the whole crux of this text really got me on this. Do you think if Jesus had enough power to be dead in a tomb, resurrect and ascend, that he would have a little bit extra power to be able to bring healing and filling to Saul without Ananias' help? You bet he would. But here's a cool thing. He invited Ananias into the picture. Reminds me of the story of Lazarus. You remember that? When Jesus was walking the earth before his crucifixion, Martha meets him on the road. She's like, you're too late. If you'd been here sooner, he wouldn't be dead. Thanks a lot. Jesus goes to the tomb. Remember what he did? Lazarus, come forth. A dead man is brought to life and walks out of that tomb. Don't miss this. What's the very next thing he said to the people around him? He said, hey, everybody, go take off his grave clothes. I think Jesus had enough power left in him. He just raised a man from death to life. I think he had enough power to get his grave clothes off. But here's the thing we don't want to miss. We're invited into the mission as the church to help take grave clothes off of people when they come out of their tomb from death to life. He invites us just like he's inviting Ananias into the story of a man who's blind, spiritually blind, to help his scales fall, to be healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus does the healing. Jesus does the filling but he invites us into it. Isn't that a cool blessing for us as a church? That should get us excited that he would trust us as a church. As followers, we should, we should show the world as a fruit that as followers, this is the expression. We're a church and we become the hands and feet of Jesus to help other people's grave clothes come off because I was that person, my grave clothes had to be taken off. And I thank God for those that didn't give up on me to take my grave clothes off. 
We get to be a part of this story so that we can watch the next disciple, the next disciple maker, the next leader in our community impact the world. So Saul has experienced healing and he's filled. And now we're seeing the last part of the story. Now he's called and empowered. I love that. And let that be hope for us. If he'll do this for Saul, he'll do it for us. Verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. I love that. At once. Do you know when you have a a face-to-face encounter with the empowering presence of the Lord, you can't contain it. In fact, when you back up, when when he was filled and healed and and the Holy Spirit came in him, it says he was baptized. I kind of see this interaction with Ananias and Saul. Hey, Saul, what do you think about baptism? And before he could even finish that, he's like, where's the water? Show me the water. That's what he's doing here. At once, he can't shut his big yapper about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what he did in me and what he can do in you. And then you see the community kind of get a little bit distraught. What? Isn't this that guy? Have you ever had that experience personally? I used to hang out in some rough crowds. and Sometimes I bump into those guys and they're like, dude, I know who you were. Are you sure Jesus changed your life? That's what's happening here. This guy is a bad man. Yeah. Jesus is a big God, and he did an amazing miracle in this man. I want to jump to verse 22, though, because it really speaks volumes for me. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul grew more and more powerful. Remember how we started this journey on the road to Damascus? He thought he was all that. I'm powerful. I'm powerless. Because Jesus came into his life and healed him and filled him and now called him, he is now empowering him and he's growing in power. Not because of Saul, who would become Paul by his Roman name, but because of Jesus Christ. Guys, that should bring us encouragement. This feels hard. I don't know if I can be a follower in the church. Jesus is going to empower us. That Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of us to empower us to carry out the mission that he's called us to. I think what he's given us a good example here is he's sharing his testimony. And I know you're probably thinking, well, I don't have a testimony like Saul. Mine's pretty boring, maybe. Friends, don't ever diminish the story of you were living in darkness, you had a death sentence, and you recognized, Jesus, I believe with my heart, I confess with my lips, you are Lord. Will you come into my heart? And you went from death to life. Guys, that is something humongous that can only happen through Jesus Christ. Get excited and passionate about that, that Jesus Jesus has given me eternity with him, and he's inviting me into his mission. That's a big deal. I want to shout from the rooftops. Share your story. Saul shares his story many times in the scripture. I love when he's telling Timothy, 
In 1 Timothy 1, 13, 16, he's talking about where he was and where he is now. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of the Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Saul went from persecutor to proclaimer. What? And he can do the same thing for us. I love in Acts 26 when he's recounting this story, this very story of being on Damascus. He said, guys, I can just hear this kind of just, oh man, let me just tell you about this. Jesus came to me and he started speaking in Aramaic and this is what he said to me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Guys, this is like hit me like a two by four in the forehead this week. Saul was brought from darkness to light so that he could be a part of bringing others from darkness to light. Saul was brought from blindness to sight so that he could be a part of bringing blindness to sight. That we can be a part of looking others, the body of Christ, we call a forever family in Celebrate Recovery. To say, you were lost, I was lost too. You were found, I was found. Now let's go find the other lost so they can be found as well. What an incredible mission that we get to be a part of. We get to be a part of as followers. We are connected with a beautiful body called the church. In one of his later writings, now Paul, his Roman given name, he writes in Romans 12, and I can't help but wonder if he's thinking about this story when he writes it. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus then was in the business of restoring and redeeming and holding broken hearts. He's still in the business of that today. Jesus is in the business of repairing broken lives so that we can help repair other broken lives. Knowing he's the one that does the healing, we get to make the planting and the watering so that we can lock arms and say, man, we're all broken. <laughs> we all matter because of Jesus. And everything that we do from this point forward is for his glory. And that's why we praise and worship him. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing. And thank you how you're calling me and empowering me to do what's next. That's a big God. Let me pray for you. Lord, 
I pray that you would meet every single person in this space, no matter where they are on this road. I pray that they would know that you're pursuing them. Father, that we would even just in this place just be reminded that you're a loving Father, that you're pursuing us in spite of what we've done, in spite of whatever road we've been pursuing that seem right to us that's only leading to death in in a big roadblock, Father. Father, thank you for the reminder that if you can do that in Saul, if you can restore, redeem, call and empower that you can do that for us. Thank you for your word, Father. May we ask how how it can change us tonight and give you praise and glory for what you've done and are doing and what you will do in the days to come. We give you all the praise and all the glories, the almighty King. Amen. Would you just take a moment to process with the Holy Spirit what What might he be telling you now? As we continue in our worship tonight, I think it's only fitting we take communion together. So we actually have four stations set up across the room and just a quick logistic Uh, If you can exit out of the right part of your row and grab your elements and circle back up to the left side, that'll kind of help us get through. But um, yeah, as we we start this next song, feel free to come and grab your elements. And if you would, hold on to them and we will take them together later on in the service. So let's stand and you guys can come forward and we'll worship together.
shining through the darkness of your life and let's sing this together to the giver of life himself you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your 
take your elements and just offer a prayer of gratitude to him in your heart. Would you take the cup, Christ's blood spilled out for you? Would you take it and drink? symbolizing his, his body that was broken but risen for you. Would you take that and eat? And let's sing together the praises of the now and the future and the worship of our King. Let's sing this. Father, we proclaim your name is great. Lord, as the church, we long for the day in the future where we'll all be together with our friends worshiping you. But Lord, we have you here with us now for your Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, and you shine the light in our darkness daily. 
And it's a gift, it's a gift to keep in step with your spirit. Help us to do so, Father. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. A couple quick announcements. If you would love for us to pray for you, uh, which we would love to pray for you, uh, we have prayer cards in the back. If you would fill one out, if you have a prayer request, uh, our staff will pray over those this week. Um, and we'll have some staff out in the foyer for information at the info booth. Let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord, church. And the people said, thanks be to God. See you next week.